When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source. The great folks at LakersBall.com and Lakerholics.com be part of the conversation today at those great sites. Our good friends at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. And a big special shout out to our huge following on YouTube. You want to go ahead and support all that? It is sincerely appreciated. The NBA and everyone out there is always keeping an eye right now on everything going on with the NBA Finals, but NBA prognosticators, NBA insiders, and fans like us, we also keep an eye on what's going on with the upcoming NBA draft. And there's no one, absolutely no one that I know that can cover the NBA draft like my good friend, a man who I've known now for years. I've seen him rise up through the ranks. He is now the man behind the awesome NBA Big Board podcast. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today. In fact, if you have not checked out the NBA Big Board podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, you are not doing yourself justice as an NBA draft aficionado because you got to go ahead and check out what he's been doing. In the past week, his shows have covered all the top prospects, including Chet Holmgren, talking about Jabari Smith, you're talking about Jaden Ivey, talking about Keegan Murray, talking about Dyson Daniels, talking about Johnny Davis, the list goes on and on who they cover. Yes, they throw out shows where they're doing the mock drafts, but they give you the deeper insight on what's going on with everything NBA Draft. It is my good friend indeed, also the man behind NBA Draft Junkies, as you hear on our spots every single show. It is my good friend, NBABigBoard.com's Rafael Barlow. Rafael, always great to have you back, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It feels like it's it's been a while. It's been too long. It has been you, too long. You guys don't have any picks. 
I know, I know. <laughs> but well, you know, Rob Palenka. And you haven't made the playoffs either. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's it's the rock in a hard place. But you know, Rob Palenka, he's like, oh, you know, he just he shows everybody's hand. Well, we're gonna buy a second round draft pick. Just walk right up there and just buy. You know what? If you have intentions of doing that. The best teams don't show their hand until draft day, until that time where they actually need to go ahead and execute. Don't let everybody know this. I understand you've been working guys out. Every team has been working guys out. But please, don't show your hand too early. It just makes you wanting which pick, whatever pick you have targeted for, that much harder come draft day, doesn't it? Possibly. But, I mean, I think there's multiple teams this year that have too many picks. Like, for example, San Antonio has four. I think Minnesota has multiple picks. So I know those teams aren't all going to bring that many guys in the camp. So it could could make sense for for a deal there. Um, And then uh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has has a bunch, and they probably will look to delay. I mean, I was at the Combine, and I saw the Lakers staff and front office at the Combine. So – I know they're actively working, and um, you know it worked from last year. <laughs> they they got a great pick, and well, not even a pick, but a, a good choice in in Austin Reeves. So I had posted my article today on NBA Big Board about just kind of the draft buzz and the intel. And right when I was posting it or going through the editing phase, that's when it. Uh, I forgot which publication was but a tweet came out that the lakers are interested in moving up into the second round it's like dang they they beat me to it but i mean i don't think it was breaking news by by any sorts but um it's it's, it's well known that that the lakers are looking to try to get into this draft yeah i mean polinka like i said he indicated that in the the darvin ham introductory press yeah. conference that he that's their intentions is to get a second round draft pick and let me ask you this. I mean, we've seen over the past few years with the scouting a lot better and you being a major scout out there, that's someone that's traveled the world and has done extensive research on these guys going back to in their high school days, even before in some cases, you've done a tremendous amount of research. There are a few others out there that work for teams like that. And the research now becomes to the point where it is so in-depth and so detailed that you have to go ahead and make sure that these NBA teams, if you're out there, do that kind of research. So with that being said, the second round draft picks, they're now becoming more and more valuable because these teams are now doing such great evaluations on these players. For the most part. I was going to say, like, one of the things that <clears throat> I don't want to get myself in trouble here, like kind of toot my own horn, but you should. I, I, I felt like when I was at the Combine, going there and seeing like all these teams and executives needing the the, the roster sheet right <laughs> so i'm like why do you guys need the roster sheet i don't need the roster sheet i know every single player out there and um you know and then if you ask different agents they'll tell you that teams aren't really doing the research now i, I think the scouts are yes because that is their job to a certain extent but i do think that the the top level guys are so busy with what every everything that goes on during the season, during the draft time, they're just kind of playing catch up because, you know, I mean, like I, I use Rob for example, and I'm I'm just guessing here. I mean, the Lakers had so much going on during the season. You're looking at 
you know, trades and deals and managing all that, you know, you probably, he probably starts really focusing on the draft in April while people have two or three year head start. So, um, but on one hand, I, I, I was kind of shocked to find out that maybe the teams aren't doing the research that I thought they were doing. And this is just coming from somebody that's now kind of like on, on the inside and uh, and that's why sometimes you just see like some really bad fits, you know. Like everybody can look at a roster and be like, how did what, what? That didn't make sense. And sometimes it's just because teams didn't really do their research, or maybe the people at the top didn't do their research. That's what I was trying to allude to, because you know, someone that is working at the scouting level, that's their job is to be able to pinpoint these players. And we'll discuss a little bit of that when we talk about hustle on Netflix, but. I want to ask you this in regards to that. I mean, you know, like you said, these executives at the top, they're not as in tune or in touch until they need to be or until they feel they need to be come the end of the season or closing out their season. If they start to see that their season is not going in the way they plan or if they get eliminated from the playoffs, what have you, that they start focusing in then. But then it's a catch up game. And mm-hmm. that seems to be the problem is that the. The scouts don't all like, and that's one of the few things that I took positively away from the movie is that the scouts can tell you the truth, yeah. But sometimes the executives don't want to hear it. Yeah, and um, it's you know, I, the movie was it kind of hit home with me in a sense because I'm kind of living it now and, and, and then being overseas. But yes, I mean I've heard stories from different scouts that they liked a particular player. And then it got away all the way up to the top of the food chain, and the person that has the the final say so was in, in total, you know, just they they didn't agree with the pick. They had somebody that they liked, despite the fact that they may not have spent the same amount of hours and time pouring into the intel in the background. But I mean, I guess that's kind of life, you know, in the sense that you know, if you work for a company, the people that the bottom of the food chain are are the ones that are putting in the long hours and then it's it's the people that have paid their dues long before that have the 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 power to and they just have the most power this is Raphael from nbadraftjunkies.com and you are listening to the Lakers fast break Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow. Please go ahead and check out NBABigBoard.com, plus also as well his amazing podcast. Go ahead and be a part of it today. YouTube and, of course, everywhere you get your podcast, the NBA Big Board Podcast. He has an array of hosts that work with him on this, working out all the things that you need to know in regards to the NBA draft. It's a tremendous show indeed. Plus, be a part of his Substack today, nbabigboard.com. Raphael, seeing how the draft is being laid out now, and you being the engineer of the Paulo Vancaro train, as I told Stone Hansen the other day when I was talking to him, 
I know the momentum for him at number one is still not there yet, but it isn't to me in a way, a three-way dance at the top of the NBA draft seemingly right now with Chet Holmgren. And of course you've got everything going on with Paulo Bancaro himself. And of course, Jabari Smith from Auburn, those three guys are seemingly the ones that are most mentioned right now. I'd probably say if you, from all the NBA draft mocks that are out there, I'd probably say, Maybe Chet Holmgren is leading more of them than anyone. Your thoughts on this? Why are people still not buying in on Paulo Bancaro as a number one pick? I just think it's an acquired taste in a sense. I think that if you come into a draft and you seem a little bit more polished, then you're not thought of to have as much upside. I feel like if you are... <clears throat> if your body needs to fill out and, and, you know, you're skinny and, and athletic, then people say, Oh, well, this is what he's going to be once he adds weight or once he does this. And I think once you have like this NBA ready frame sometimes, and you seem to be a little bit polished then people think that, you know, you're, you don't have as much upside. And I, I honestly feel like that was one of the cases with Luka Doncic. I mean, even, <laughs> <laughs> even Laker time we had this argument two years ago that Lucas still has room to grow and Laker time felt like he was already close to his peak and I was like how can he be close to his peak when he was like 21 years old but that's a whole different story so I think with Ben Carroll I think teams are just kind of overlooking I don't even know I shouldn't even say teams I would say the the people that are putting out the mocks and the and the big boards or whatever are just kind of overlooking it. And the case that I've made is that a lot of the same stuff, and I even did a, a tweet where if I blocked out the names, Jason Tatum's scouting report is the exact same as Paolo Bencaro's. And, I mean, you look at, I mean, the, the Lakers ended up selecting Lonzo Ball over Jason Tatum. And I feel like it had a lot to do with the hype. He was the guy that was... The, the one that people thought was going to sell tickets. He had the buzz around him. And not saying that Chet is Lonzo Ball, but I think Chet has this buzz to where if you like him or you don't like him because you think he's too skinny, you're going to watch him. And with Lonzo, I feel like if you liked him or you didn't like his father, eyes are going to be on him. And, and I think Chet is kind of similar in, in, in that sense, he's he's a more popular of the, of the two. I think with though, from the research that I've done on Paulo, the only thing I would point out is, like you said, tremendous passer, can be a, an excellent, excellent playmaker. I think that he would be a great fit for Houston at this point in time, which is where he's falling in most mock drafts. But if he goes higher, I think that someone has to be wary of his defensive instincts because I just don't think he has developed on that side of the ball Maybe it's an issue of drive. Maybe it's an issue of whatever. I've just, the hours I've spent watching Paulo, I have noticed that it just doesn't seem to, on that end of the floor, get everything as well as he does on the offensive end. Well, he averaged over still a game. And um, I think, I forgot how many games he played, but he averaged 0.9 blocks. So usually if a guy averages what they call stocks, close to two stocks per game, people like it. He almost averaged two stocks per game. So we're talking about a guy that the general public is saying he is not a good defender. 
But if you look at the raw stats, he was. I know raw stats don't necessarily mean everything, but you know it's the same knock that people had on Tatum. And now what you're hearing about Boston is they don't have a weak link that you can pick on, and you know that's what the playoffs is all about. You, you find the mismatches that you can pick on. So it, it like I said, it's. I think people are just kind of overthinking it and nitpicking. Tatum wasn't considered a great three point shooter coming out. And he wasn't considered a good defender. They thought that, you know, he played too much like Kobe was a bad shot taker. All of this stuff that that people are saying about Van Carroll. But if you listen to, like, what people are saying, they make him out to be, like, this horrible defender. And Zion wasn't a great defender. I mean, he's not – he hasn't been a great defender in the NBA. But I just think people are just kind of overthinking it because it's like, if you say, well, Powell's not a – great defender, that's my concern. But then if you flip it and say, well, Chet is not an aggressive offensive scorer. Like, can you throw the ball to Chet and say, hey, go get me a bucket? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Like, if you look at Chet, it's not necessarily like a bashing Chet. Like, how many times did Chet score in the half court if somebody yeah. didn't kind of throw him a lob? A lot of his points came in transition where he got the rebound, brought it up court, or was the trailer in three. So it's like... I just think people have their biases and their preferences, what they want to use to say why this guy isn't this or why this guy is that. And I just think it's kind of like low-hanging fruit in a sense with, with Ben Carroll's defense. Is there a definitive number one candidate out there? Is there a definitive number one in your in your mind? Is Does Paulo stand out so much over the other two that it, it's just not even close? In my In my opinion, yeah. He's the only one that I feel comfortable where I can say, hey, go get me a bucket. Five seconds left on the shot clock. He can make a play for others. I think he's the best passer of the two. I think he's the most NBA ready. He can – he rebounds. And I think that a really creative coach can just really kind of unlock his skill sets. He did not get the chance to, you know, handle the ball a lot at Duke as far as being a playmaker because they had Wendell Moore. They had Trevor Kills. They had some guys that – wouldn't be effective off the ball. So he settled more so for a role as isolation post score. But if you go back and see how what people were talking about him or saying about him before he got to Duke, it was this oversized point forward. So I think that he kind of, um, I think he just has more tools in his toolbox than what he was able to show. As far as like Jabari, I think Jabari is a great shooter. I mean, 42% from three, five attempts per game. But maybe it's just a style thing. I like guys that I can say, hey, I need one. Go clear out ISO. And if you watch Jabari film, how many times did you see him dribble in the half court? Good point. He kind of, it was like a face up and he jab, jab, and then it was a contested mid-range shot. But I think he has ways to go as a shot creator. And, um, you know, as far as Chet, I think that, you know, he can shoot in transition. But if you look at the numbers and take a deeper dive, I think he made like 33% of his jump shots in the half court. And even though he can handle the ball in the half court, I just by him being so light, can he take a bump and get to the lane? So with all that being said, I just feel most comfortable with Van Carroll as a guy that can be my number one option. And if I'm selecting a guy number one, I want a guy to be my number one option. <laughs> and Fair so enough. That, yeah. That's just kind of my opinion behind it. 
No, that's very well thought out. I, again, this is something that you've been, it's not, it's not accident. You've been talking about Paulo as the number one since last year. You've gotten ahead of everyone else or so many others on that assessment. So again, this is something that's not new to anyone out there that catches the NBA Big Board podcast. You should already be hearing this time and time again, because it's something that as an evaluator who has watched a ton of hours on Paulo, this is something that you've come to a conclusion a long time ago. So that definitely people need to go ahead and, and take that as, as value, you know, as far as what they see when they check out the highlights or the footage of Paulo that's out there. But again, leading into the draft, it's still something a lot of people should think about when it concerns that top three and who should they take out of that top three. But right behind it are some questions. I know Jaden Ivey was a solid number four for quite a, a stretch there. He still is in many eyes. Then you have the Shaden Sharp conundrum there as far as where does he go in the draft? I've seen him as high as four. I've seen him as low as eight and nine in regards to that because Shaden Sharp, who never actually played a game in college, he has done rare appearances. I think you have been privy to at least one of those appearances, yes, as far as the workouts are concerned. Yeah, I was at his pro day. And um, yeah, that was <laughs> that was most people's first time seeing him live. I, I think a few scouts were at the, the Peach Jam last year, which is the Nike EYBL um, Summer AU Championship. So he, he played there. But for the most part, I think most people – First time seeing him was at the uh, was at his pro day in Chicago. Yeah, that, again, he's someone that I mean, when it seems like every single draft, there's someone that you didn't or you weren't able to take a a long recent look at. I mean, there's so many times in the past few years where we've seen this player that has played a limited amount of games or just didn't get to play at all, or just coming straight from high school right into the NBA draft, essentially. So even though you you can't necessarily go from high school to the NBA draft, people are finding a way to where they're shortening that time span between high school and the NBA draft, seemingly as it is. And, and Shane Sharp seemingly has done that. So I think Shane Sharp to me is someone that's very uh, curious to me. I really like what he does as far as his stats are concerned, as you know, as far as his length, as far as his what he did in high school. I've had to check out a lot of that in order to get some type of assertion with him. So your opinion on Shaden Sharp right now before we head to some, maybe some others that might be moving up your charts. I, I try to see things from both ends of the spectrum. And so from Shaden Sharp's camp's perspective, I, I get what they're doing. His stock was high as is. And at this point, it's probably unlikely for him to pass Ben Carroll and, and Holmgren and, and those guys coming in in, in a half a season. So it's like, all right, well, if everybody, if, if people are projecting him as top five, then we don't need to play. <laughs> so now from the scouts perspective, I get the frustration is, all right, we don't have any film of him playing structured basketball in a sense, even though AU is, I mean, it has some structure to it, but it's it's very free flowing. It's up and down, and I mean I've I've spent years in AAU, and I understand like you know you get a collection of talent from t- kids that are from different parts of the state, and during the school year you can't practice, so you're just kind of you know, you're getting them in town on Friday, and then you you know running through a couple sets, and then you got to travel for your tournament on Saturday. So it's very free flowing. It's very up and down. 
And uh, I think for the scouts, the concern is not the talent. There's nobody that has questions his talent. It's like, how, how do we know what he looks like when he's playing and structure? How do we know what he looks like in, in the system yeah. or when he's, you know, he's, he's obviously physically gifted. How do a we know? A lot of unknowns. It's a lot of unknowns. And the problem is with, with Sharp and it's almost like the problem with social media. It's like, if you have a very, very big platform, right? And if you say Shaden Sharp is a top five pick with your big platform, like ESPN, right? Now, everybody's going to believe that, right? And a lot of people that have formed their opinions on him haven't watched a full game. You're only going by the highlights. So then who doesn't look good in the highlight, right? You know? So... It's very interesting to me, and it just shows the power of social media is that, you know, maybe one day if I get to the point where I have this huge platform, I can say John Doe is a top 10 pick. And because my reputation is good because I have the biggest platform, people are going to go ahead and follow it. So with all that being said, I do think Sharp is very good. The perception on social media compared to what scouts were telling me is totally different, but no scout has denied his talent. It's just more so of how can we, you know, how how are we supposed to make a fair assessment of him when if Patrick Baldwin Jr. took the same route or Jaden Hardy took the same route last year, they would have been top 10 picks. But for whatever reasons we, we saw, you know, whether it was injuries or fit or whatever, but we had, more time to evaluate them outside of high school and they aren't going to be at least drafted. I mean, they could end up being back to that ranking once they become pros, but you know, some team could have made a mistake on that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so the scouts perspective is a little different, but um, you know, somebody's going to take a gamble. As one team told me, they're like, man, we know he can play. He'll probably play well in the summer league, but you're not going to know what you're getting until you actually get him. And I think David Aldridge had a story where he was saying that from the scouts were saying is that it's going to take somebody with job security because if it doesn't work out, then you you look really bad if you take him number four. But if you have job security, like a Sam Presti or or whatever, and, and, you know, you you have multiple picks and if it does work out, you look like a genius. So it's very risky. Absolutely. I agree with you on that, but the talent I think is there from what I've seen in high school, you know, his high school footage that's still out there, I think that he is showcasing a lot of talent. It's just, does he have everything to put it all together? You know, because of the fact he wasn't there for that year on the court in live action. Of course, he was practicing with the team. and, and He didn't that, practice. You know, he didn't even practice. Okay, well, mm-hmm. there you go. So that mm-hmm. that's another big question right there for you. So, Man, uh, you know, maybe a G League or, you know, Overtime Elite, maybe that would have been a better option for him because at this point, you know, there's a lot of questions going in regarding Shaden Sharp. Well, if he gets drafted top 10, it worked. They're, yeah, it, it's, it's like a it's a genius strategy. And uh, I know like when I had mentioned, I had made a, a quote from a scout and I said that, you know, he barely practiced. And then I had some people around him in my DM saying that's not true, yada, yada, yada. But every scout I've talked to, multiple teams, their frustrations are pretty much the same. Uh, was that 
uh, and it's not with him. The frustration is not with him. They see him as a kid that is um, just kind of being advised on, on what to do. Yeah. But they're saying that you just don't know what you got. And, and only a few teams are going to even get access to them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely going to be very interesting to the point where if I'm a father, right, and I have a kid that is, I think, a top 10 pick and everybody has them super high next year's draft, I'm just, hey, don't even go to school. <laughs> you have a chance of hurting your stock. Don't go to school. And even though I don't like it from a scout's perspective, it's uh, – I mean, it's, it's it's a strategy. It's a game of chess, and you can easily, you know, change. You, you can you can do so much to make a kid eligible, even though you're not supposed to to um, go straight out of high school. But as long as the kid's birth year, if he turns 19, the same calendar year, you can say he took some community college classes. <laughs> say he graduated in May. And you can you can make it happen. So you can kind of bend the rules. So it just shows that the NBA is all about potential sometimes over production, which is is you know very risky. Well, we've seen that over the years. I mean, there there's been a lot of washouts in the league that have come here with a, a lot of hype and and a lot of good stats. They've got the reach, they've got the, the athletic ability, they got whatever. They're great at the combine. But when it comes to what they do on the court, ultimately, they're not given the right direction or they're not on the right team that develops them. You know, there's there's a whole lot of things that have to fall into place for their Shaden Sharp, for instance, for him to go ahead and succeed in the NBA. A lot of things have to fall his way in order for him to go ahead and be able to excel in the league, in my opinion. I think that's the promise is there. Uh, obviously the, what, you know, the, the measurements bear that out, that there's a possibility that could happen. So I'm wishing all the best for the kid indeed, but there are other choices right there amongst the top of the NBA draft. I mean, a, a lot of people are really thinking highly of Keegan Murray. I know Dyson Daniels from the G league has been talked about a lot on your show. Jeremy Sochan talked about as a Draymond green. I know you mentioned that on your show as well. So I mean, is there anybody in that lottery standpoint, uh, not going deeper into the draft per se, but in that lottery standpoint that's sticking out to you as someone that, you know what, this could be a special player if he's given the right opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I think they all can be. As far as somebody that stands out above the others, I mean, I think Jaden Ivey has a lot of potential. He has superstar potential. The question for him is, what position does he play? Is he a one? Is he a two? Is he a combo? I would like to see him play one, but there's no situation where he's going to be the clear-cut starting point guard and be given the keys based off of the way the rosters are shaped right now. So even if Orlando drafts him, they got Suggs, they got Cole Anthony, they got Fultz. Oklahoma City has Gilgis Alexander. They have Josh Giddy. Houston has Kevin Porter Jr., which could be a possibility that, you know, he – He'd have the the keys there, but if you go down to Detroit, they have Kate Cunningham. Indiana has Halliburton. So I don't. It's 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 a situation where he may not get the opportunity to begin his career playing the position that he's probably best suited for playing. He's going to have to start his career playing off the ball unless the move is made. But I do think that if he is given that opportunity with NBA spacing and his athleticism and just that burst and first step that he could be good and I've, I've seen multiple scouts compare him to Russell Westbrook which I know is not like the 
the sexiest name to be compared to right now in LA, but Russ is a Hall of Famer. You know, that's not a bad person to be compared to. Absolutely. At least the first 12 years or so of Russell Westbrook, let's put it that way. I know that Lakers fans right now, Russell Westbrook is a controversial name right now amongst Lakers fans, especially with our own group out there that talks every day or every time we go out on the Lakers fast break. I know Laker Tom and and uh, Joe Sorrell, they've been uh, adamant about their thoughts on Russell Westbrook indeed. But I want to go ahead and touch on a couple more individuals that are uh, actually our co- people in the comments have actually asked about before we go ahead and hit up the thoughts on Adam Sandler's Netflix. And that is, I know you've been hearing of this a lot because it's it just a great Filipino contingent out there that really supports him. And that's Kai Soto. <laughs> and also the news that Shams broke the other day about Shaq's son, Sharif O'Neal, now being eligible for the NBA draft. Your thoughts on both. Can either of them, I don't think either of them are going to be drafted. I think maybe Sharif of the two might be the one that's, that that might sneak in at the second round, maybe. But I see both as being undrafted, maybe going to the G League. But your thoughts on both before we head to Hustle? Yeah. Kai has such a huge fan base. And, I mean, the huge. Filipinos are very, very, very passionate. But, man, if, if you don't have him on your, your mock draft, they can be brutal. I mean, I've I've been accused of some – some crazy things and caught some 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 crazy names. And I actually just kind of feel sorry for him in a sense because he just wants to play basketball. I've actually yeah. spoken with him on Twitter, but the fan base is so much pressure on him to to like be the you know the guy, the the Filipino NBA player that makes it. And it's it's uh my my fear for him is and this may sound crazy, it would kind of be a good thing and a bad thing. I would hate for a team to to put him on like a two-way deal or put him on their G League team just for the financial benefits that will come along with it. So I've seen, you know, a couple of years ago, the Dallas Mavericks drafted a kid from India who just was not an NBA player, but he sing correct. Yeah. And I think he's like a professional wrestler now. Yeah, he's mistaken. involved with all elite wrestling at this point in time. And, you know, it was another player that was more deserving that didn't get that opportunity to be drafted. But India has a billion people, and that's one of the markets the NBA really wants to tap into. You know, maybe one day it can be as big as China as far as, like, you know, all the eyeballs watching the games. And he became more so of, like, a... I don't don't even know the word I'm going to use. But he, he was more so a gimmick in a sense. Now, I think Soto is definitely more talented than him, but I, and I've jokingly said this, like, let's say he goes to the South Bay Lakers. They're going to sell a ton of Kai Soto jerseys. They're going to be able to get broadcasting rights in the Philippines. People are going to watch the game and they're going to make money off of it. But, you know, you'd have to wonder is like the team, is it their motive to actually make money or develop develop him. And I've seen it happen in the G League. I've seen some G League teams select players that they knew had a huge following. And uh, I mean, I've seen you know a Japanese player that was good. Was he deserving of the G League spot? Probably not. But the team benefit benefited from you know all the the media from you know the the Asian markets that have billions of people. 
and it was more so of a you know a business <laughs> a business deal than than as opposed to what the league is supposed to be about as far as developing. You're afraid that they, if they send a message, let's say, let's again, let's choose the South Bay Lakers. You know, he, let's say they, he goes undrafted. He actually gets picked up by the by the Lakers. They put him on the South Bay Lakers, like you said, the residual financial effects and all that. And then they play him, or they call him up. Uh, you know, if the team is not performing well, or even if they are, and and it pretty much has the season's already been decided. You call him up for the last couple of games, like they do with a lot of players in baseball, and they're doing this now sometimes in the NBA where they call up the guys from the South Bay Lakers that have performed over the year and put them in for the last maybe couple games, give them some minutes here just to go ahead and, and just give them some eyeballs and some NBA games. Does that really do Kai Soto's career any favor when it's just the intention of, of what the Lakers or whatever team that actually picks them up or decides to go ahead and sign him actually has over what he needs to do in developing as a player? That's why it's tough because on one hand, you know, there's only like 5,000 players ever to put on an NBA uniform and touch yeah. an NBA court. So he would have that opportunity. My my just my biggest fear for him is, you know, just is he going to be given a fair shot or if he didn't have the, the do- potential dollar signs behind his name and the potential exposure, would he be in the same situation or would he get a fair shot? So... Again, I've, I've, I've had my kind of run-ins with, with, the, with, with some of his fan base. Even I as well. Oh, yeah? Yes, yes. They've spoken very highly of Kai Soto. They're very passionate. And, okay. and that's very much respected to the Filipino community. As someone who is married to someone mm-hmm. in the Filipino community, she has even heard about Kai Soto. And again, it's still, you've got to separate yourselves as a, as a franchise what you want to do going forward is, is the best intentions for Kai Soto in mind. Do you think he may actually develop into an NBA everyday player? That's, that's the question I think that a lot of people have within the industry, as opposed to outside, you know, are you looking with your heart or are you looking with your head? Well, but at the end of the day, NBA is a business and that's why, you know, for me living in, in Europe and seeing how differently things are ran it makes you understand like, okay, this is why NBA players are played so much money, more money than European players. And it's not, I mean, of course there's a big talent gap, just the NBA has a much, much better business mind. They know how to generate revenue. They know like, okay, well, if this style of play is going to make fans more interested than it was if we play like in the nineties where guys are getting beat up, then this is what we're going to do. They, the NBA just has mastered making the game global and understanding business and generating money. And sometimes, you know, in American sports or just maybe it's our culture, it's business first, sports second, because if it wasn't, then you wouldn't see teams cutting costs or, you know, just trying to, you know, like that's the thing about Europe is they, um, they don't care about making a profit. Some teams are in the red. I mean, you, you see some of the football clubs that are in the red, yeah. a gazillion dollars, but it's all about winning. And while the NBA is like, we, we want to win, but we're, we're not winning if we're operating in the red. We'd rather lose and be in the green than win in the red. And so with all that being said, you do have to factor in that. I mean, there's a potential that Kai Soto could generate more money himself than what a G League team would make without him. 
Good point. Very good point indeed. And last thing I want to talk about before we head to Netflix's hustle is Sharif O'Neal, uh, a guy who has made himself eligible for this year's NBA draft, had a, I don't know, a journeyman's like career in the college ranks with UCLA and LSU. Your thoughts on Sharif O'Neal? Can he get a look or do you think he'll get a, a good long look at the NBA level? No, I mean, it's, <laughs> if he wasn't Shaq's son, would would he get that opportunity? And I get it. I mean, nepotism is everywhere. It happens, you know, all over business. This is an opportunity where it's just a kid that has kind of been able to take advantage of it. But, you know, if, if it was John Doe and he averaged 2.9 points, 2.1 rebounds, would the Lakers work him out? Yeah, good point. <laughs> So, I mean, there are guys that had – I mean, I can think of a kid that I know personally. Went to a D1 school, averaged 14 points per game, had a good career, and he didn't get a, a sniff at a workout, not even a sniff at the G League elite camp. And he played four years. Wow, we're talking about a guy that averaged two points per game, and he's getting a workout. It, it just – I mean, we, we all know what it is. And so I, I just think that – on one hand, Shaq has done so much for the organization that giving his son a workout is not a big deal. But on the other hand, there's kids that probably are more deserving, which, you know, you can make a case and say who deserves anything. But, you know, and, and just for play words, there are players that are more deserving or had better resumes that would love this opportunity that, that won't get the opportunity. I hear you on that. I still think Isaiah Mobley will get a look by yeah, some yeah. NBA teams. Well, I mean, Isaiah Mobley – he, I mean, he has some numbers to back it up that say yes. that he's he's worth the shot. And he's a big man that can stretch the floor. And, I mean, it's totally different to compare those those two. Absolutely. I, I still think he's going to be able to be a rotational player in the league. He's just got to work more on the defensive end personally and, is, and maybe try to see what he can do to work on a little bit more on his athleticism. But, my gosh, the guy has many of the characteristics that – Paulo has as far as being able to play make being a great passer uh, again he can be able to stretch the floor and he has done so in big moments during the NCAA tournament so that to me also shines out as well so again uh, hopefully somebody will be able to give him a look as an undrafted player I don't think he's going to be able to make the back end of the second round we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast hey Lakers fans Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But it is, once again, Rafael Barlow from the NBA Big Board podcast. you got to go ahead and check him out wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, but also as well, NBABigBoard.com. Go ahead and subscribe today. It is part of the awesome Substack network that's out there. It is NBABigBoard.com and, of course, everything that he does for NBA Draft Junkies as well. So much is always on your plate, but you did take some time to go ahead and check out Adam Sandler's latest movie on Netflix called Hustle. 
which is based off a longtime NBA scout that wants to go ahead and become a, a coach. And in order to do so, he finds and discovers a budding superstar that nobody else has yet, played by Juancho Hernan Gomez. The movie itself, for me, starts out really promising. and something I could, because I, when I'm watching it, I'm thinking of you, my friend. Because I thought of, of me way, when I was watching it. <laughs> because I'm thinking the way it sets itself up as far as the trailer and, and what you see before you watch the movie is that, my gosh, this is going to emulate so much of what uh, you know my good friend Rafael Barlow has talked about on our previous shows, which you can catch here on the Lakers Fast Break podcast. So much about all your travels around the world and all the things that you've seen and discover as you, as you look at these kids when they are kids to when they become full-grown men and beyond and eligible for the draft and whatnot. And then I see that it just becomes a point where, okay, he hits Adam Sandler's character. It just, he goes to Spain and that's it. He finds the guy and that's it. It just doesn't really delve into me what the most fascinating parts of your life can really be. And that to me is one of the major letdowns of the movie. And then it goes into the paint by numbers, Hollywood tropes type deals, as far as the ultimate outcome for Juancho Hernan Gomez's character. I really like Anthony Edwards in the film. I thought he was really good. Kenny Smith, I thought was good. But your thoughts on Netflix's hustle? I liked it. I'm not a big movie guy, so um, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I'm again, I'm not like a big movie critic or anything like that. Of course, you know, there are some parts were a little cheesy and unrealistic, but maybe it was just me overthinking it because. I live in the world, like, for example, I was watching it with my wife and I was telling her, like, moms and parents and family are not allowed at the combine, you know, just nitpicking. Like the combine was in Chicago, (laughs) not New York. And I I even know, like, at the combine I went to in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, agents weren't even allowed to go. So it's only NBA personnel and certain media. And I remember the whole time I'm like texting agents while their guys are doing their their drills. Like, all right, he just made five in a row. He just... (laughs) Had a he just had a forty inch vert, so that part was kind of unrealistic. But again, no nobody would really know that. I mean, I only knew it because I was at the combine this year. Of course, you know the cheesy part about there was no process of getting his family passports <laughs> to get there. But overall, I liked it. I, I liked how I thought the it training was part of good. it. How about the training part of it, where Adam Sandler works with Juancho Hernan Gomez's character in order to go ahead and become that draft eligible player. I think that's very realistic. I think that's realistic. I mean, especially you got to think the average NBA player is going to make $8 million a year. So someone is going to invest that type of time. If you can just get him to be an average NBA player. Yeah. So, you know, if he's average and he gets past his rookie year and he makes, let's say two or 3 million off of that and becomes an average four year player, we're talking like $32 million a year. So, Yes, I, I do think a scout <laughs> would would do that, you know, train him. So I thought the training part was realistic. Um, I The part I did like was at the beginning, the arenas and, you know, the scenes where he was scouting players, it looked just like how the gyms in, in Europe looked. I thought that part was very realistic. The part about the family where he said he hadn't been to his daughter's birthday in like nine years. If it falls during the NBA season, that can be very realistic on the travel. And it's not really glamorous. Like it it sounds glamorous. It's really not glamorous. And so luckily for me, I kind of did everything freelancing on my own. 
So it wasn't like a team was saying, hey, we need you to go to this back end part of Serbia <laughs> and, uh, you know, having to rent a car, or drive through mountains to get there. I mean, I've, I've seen some of that, but but overall, I thought that part was realistic. But again, I liked it. I, I didn't think Anthony Edwards was acting. It felt like he was just being himself, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I listened to Kenny Smith where he said he had to get an acting coach, but I thought his role was good. Yes. I loved all the small appearances from like real trainers like Drew Hanlon was in it, Lethal Shooter. They even had the kid Professor from the And One mixtapes in it. I mean, one of those things where like if you're like a real, real basketball head, you saw like the real subtle appearances like Dale Demps. He was in it. I think he was like one of Doc's assistant coaches. Um, He just got a new job. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes, I liked it. I mean, I'll probably watch it again. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, for me, again, to me, my experience with all the things that you said, and it just seemed, again, they had to cut things for time purposes. I get that. I understand that. But to go to the lengths he did as far as what happened when he was forced to go back on the road, and the first thing he does when he goes back on the road is he instantly finds this undiscovered potential superstar it kind of took out or made your job or made the thing that has made your life what it is for the past few years in getting to this point rather easy looking. And that's not the case. That's, you know, with you, you've explained it so much. And on your shows, you've explained it so much on your shows, how difficult the life truly is. And I think it, it just kind of watered it down to me. It kind of felt like, man, I wish they would have given that part of it a little bit longer look. But, you know, I actually disagree because I figure like I even use it for let's let's just say like in anything. Right. You can put in hours and hours of work or, or years and all you need is to get lucky one time and it changes everything. So you look at the John Morant story, like whoever that coach was that kind of discovered him probably spent thousands on top of thousands of hours recruiting, going to different tournaments. He just happens to go in an auxiliary gym and sees Ja Morant and bam, he gets him a scholarship and I'm sure Ja has looked out for that guy. So that's why I believe not to the point where you're going to find somebody, you know, (laughs) in some Timberland boots (laughs) playing pickup at a park, but I do think it can happen that way. I mean, Giannis's story, like I was telling my wife, this has a little bit of Giannis's background in it. Giannis was someone that nobody knew. And some scout that had probably that, and I've read the book. I mean, I have it behind me, had put in thousands on top of thousands of hours of time. And he runs across this super skinny, long, athletic kid that has a name you can't pronounce and doesn't have a passport and it's not documented. And bam, this kid is, what is he, two-time MVP, NBA champion? His story is crazy unrealistic so that's why it it didn't seem too crazy to me because i think they say he had been a scout for x amount of years yes sometimes when you've been doing it for a long time because you've done it for a long time and you you have a better chance of getting lucky than someone that just kind of walks into it so that's why i I thought that part was i mean there's chances of it happening are slim to none but i mean we're we're seeing in real time with Giannis after the kumpo Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this before we go ahead and head on out and before we give you a chance to go ahead and let everybody know what you're doing and how best to get a hold of you with any NBA draft questions is, is there that 
Juancho Hernan Gomez that you thought, well, I wish actually Juancho Hernan Gomez got to play like he did in the movie. I wish he played like that in the NBA, but that's another story altogether. Is there that one player that you were, I want to say first or among the first to be on the food chain in regards to saying that this could be the next star player? Is there, is there that one story that you like to tell people about the most? In Europe or just period? Just period, just period. I mean, there's some guys that you can say I probably tweeted about and I was early on. I think Terquavion Smith from NC State. I had put him as a late lottery pick. You know, he kind of got a buzz going right after the season, and then he did well at the Combine. I remember when he played at the Combine, so many people were texting me. Like, I never heard of him until you, but it's kind of like he was hiding in plain sight. I mean, yeah. he played at Florida State. He was like the second leading scorer in, in the ACC during the season, and – for whatever reason, people who just weren't in NC State, I should say. I don't know if I said Florida State, but, said, but yeah, it's NC State. NC State, yeah. So he had a big game against Florida State. Was the game that I that I saw. Then Ryan Rollins, who I, I think could be a first round pick this year. That's a funny story. So I I uh, I watched him play at a preseason friendly game in Septemberish or whatever, and then I made a podcast about it. Of course, nobody really listen because they're like, and I made it a headline because who's Ryan Rollins? You know, he goes to Toledo and, and then um, I, you know, kept track of him. Then during the season, one of the last few podcasts I did with Chad Ford, we did a mock draft and I had Ryan Rollins as a first round pick and Chad's face is kind of like who? So I don't know if he thought I was like having one of my, my friends on there, one of my buddies. And so um, he had a, he said that he made some phone calls and was asking, like, you know, who Ryan Rollins was. And some scouts said, yeah, man, this this kid can play. And one of the comments was, now that he has been mentioned as a first-round pick on a mock with, like, a, a reputable mock, a mock that's legitimate in a sense, and I said the other ones aren't legit, but one that kind of has a strong reputation, it made it easier for scouts to tell their bosses and their superiors like no i i think that this kid is worthy of we need to do more work and, and you know just kind of do more background on him and so i mean of course I mean, he still hasn't been drafted yet we're still a couple of weeks away but now you're starting to see him on different boards he played well at the combine and i think espn just they're slowly putting him on their board i think he wasn't in the top 100 to maybe like two or three uh, mock drafts ago. Then he went from not being there to 44. I think he's 37 now. And, and so you're starting to see a rise. So I would say I was just kind of early to the party. I wasn't the first. Maybe the first one with a decent-sized platform that mentioned him. But um, there's some other guys that that liked him. So, But again, I mean, it's still early. He hasn't been drafted yet. If he becomes a first-round pick, then then, you know, it kind of makes me look good a little bit, but that's probably the, the closest I can get. Well, I'll tell you what, you've over the years provided me and so many others that have listened to the show so much knowledge when it comes to the NBA draft, and I am truly indebted to you as always. I'm so happy for you, your success, your upcoming new member of the family. I'm yeah. hoping for long life and, and good health for you, my friend. But before we head on out, I want you to go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you, all the great stuff that you're doing. Because, you know, 
you're not doing a whole lot. No, you're just doing this, 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 and that, that, that. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're always busy, my friend, when I talk to you behind the scenes. So please let everyone know how they can get a hold of you, what you're up to, and where they can find all your great work. Yeah, you can find me at NBA Big Board. That's the newsletter. It's, it's subscription-based, so it's kind of exclusive content. Uh, it's $50 for the year. You can do $7 a month. So, for example, I just put out an article today. It has some intel from scouts, agents, and players about what's going on behind the scenes. Then um, I have the Locked On NBA Big World podcast, which I've been doing five days a week. And then um, you can find me on Twitter, Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-5-0-0. And it, it's it's my personal page, but I talk basketball. And But you, you may get um, some, some non-basketball takes or, or jokes here and there, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm on there all the time, and I read most of the stuff. I I, I can't respond to all of it now. It's kind of, I don't want to say I've made it, but my followers have increased, which is more people sending me messages here and there and, you know, a lot of different requests here and there, but I'm still very accessible. Well, you know what, my friend, you have been to me. I'm indebted to you as always, my friend. I know your no, time it's, is very it's, valuable. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. What? No, I've done nothing, man. No, you uh, and I'll I'll share it with your audience. I'm I'm sure they've probably heard the story before, but you know, you got me into this to this space. You know, when when you reached out to me and had me come on your podcast, it was I mean, I I forgot the first time it was like 2018 or 19 or something like that. Well, it was going to be two years before. I asked you two years before, like I think 2016, and then. You didn't answer it. And then I tried again. I said, oh, what the heck? I'll just go ahead and do another NBA draft thing. So I'll get the guy. He he writes a lot of good stuff. I'll go ahead and bring him on. Yeah, I didn't see the first one. But yeah, so it's it's really, it happened so fast. Like, it's crazy. It's been two years. It's really been two years. Remember, you had me on as a guest. And I said, podcasting hard. He said, he said, my friend, it's easy. You just need to do this. It's a lot easier than you think. Just, and I, I hit you up for a couple of questions, how to do it. And then I just cranked them out every single day and kind of took off a little bit and then caught the attention of the people that locked on and, you know, that platform introduced me to Chad. So I was just telling my wife before I came on, I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I haven't makers fast break in a while. And I said, no matter what I have going on, I'm a, do my best to, you know, to make it happen. And she was just like, yeah, you used to be on every day. I said, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> she said, yeah. Cause she remembered we had just started dating at that time. And I would tell her like, all right. Uh, you know, the Lakers were playing late. And I say, hey, if you call or text, I probably get back to you around midnight <laughs> because I'm doing this podcast. And because we were so new, she didn't fully understand like, why am I on this podcast, a Lakers podcast based out of, you know, Las Vegas or whatever? Why specifically me? Why am I on there every single day? So now she has a, a better understanding of of why. But I, I'll tell you this much. Not only did you help me get started with my own podcast, and you definitely made me feel like you can do this. Not only can you do this, but you're you're more than qualified and then I got better and better at podcasting or doing interviews when I was on your show because we did it every single night during the bubble. And 
that is the practice most people don't have when they start a podcast because you know you start one and then you wait a couple weeks or days for the next one so i literally probably did a year i don't know i, I probably did a couple hundred podcasts in the summer of 2020 alone which you know with, with the repetition i got i got a little bit better so again i thank you i i, I thank you for that so much uh, you know it, it's it goes both ways my friend because you, uh, just to see you and how far you've grown in the success you've had. And I'm wishing you continue rising up that ladder and just wherever you need to go, wherever you want to go, I'm wishing you all the best. I'm behind you hundred percent. I'm just grateful, man, for the time that you give to me each and every time. And, you know, if I've been any help to you, I've just, you know, it's, it's well worth it just to see how much work you put in and all the things you've done in order to get to where you've been. It's, it's been all worth it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all you, man. It's all you. I may have just said a couple things, given you advice and answer a couple of your questions, but in the end, it's been all about you. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I know that I've put in the work. I've not put in my 10,000 hours, but you know, and, and anybody that's listening that has this thing that you want to do, that's kind of sitting in the back of your, your mind and you feel like I should do it. I should do it. That was me with the podcast. I, I knew I wanted to do it, but it was just kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll do it later on. And then when you invited me on, I didn't know that that was going to change my life. And then you telling me like, it's, it's easy, just do it. And I did it and it has changed my life. So if anybody's listening, you have something to this idea, this business that you want to start or something that you want to do, and you've been delaying it and delaying it. Let this be a testimony that says, just go and do it. And you never know what can happen for you. You know, you put in the word and believe in yourself. It can be life-changing. Absolutely, indeed. And it has been for Rafael Barlow, the man behind the NBA Big Board. Please go ahead and subscribe today, nbabigboard.com, plus his great podcast, NBA Big Board. Podcasts available now on the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. YouTube, NBA Draft Junkies. I never want to forget about NBA Draft Junkies because, you know what, we play it every single episode that you come right on on the break. So still, NBA Draft Junkies, always there for you. But nbabigboard.com, that's the best place to go for anything NBA Draft. My friend, it's been always great talking to you. I hope I will get the chance to talk to you in the not-too-distant future, but I know your plate is always full, so I won't bother you. Like the thousands of people that are now bothering you and <laughs> asking you questions and asking for your advice on this and talking to you about this prospect and, of course, the fact that you are about to become a father. Which can't wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I, my best experience ever. That's that's what I've been hearing. So uh, I'll see you at summer league. Uh, I'll be there for a couple of days, and I'll, I'll be sure to catch up. Maybe we can watch Lakers game together. You got it, my friend. Count on it. Sounds good, my friend. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow from the NBA Big Board. You got to go ahead and check them out today. NBABigBoard.com. Thanks so much, Rafael, for stopping by. I, you know, I tell you what, it's been a sensational podcast. And again, I'm hoping you can truly, once again, stop by, if you can, talk at NBA Draft and the NBA in general, right here on the Lakers Fast Break.